Let's get it out of the way. Welcome to the Duke Basketball Junkies, uh, the final final episode of the year in which we'll be discussing, uh, recapping actual games from this uh, roller coaster season. We will. This is, I mean, there's not going to be more games this season for us to go over. You remember the game against Troy? Yeah, we're going to at least like do a cursory review of these two games. Uh, we have a win to discuss, that beautiful win over Troy, and the heartbreaking, uh, you know, crushing uh, defeat to South Carolina, uh, in which I believe we got thoroughly outplayed uh, and deserved to lose. Um, should, we, uh, should we just get right into it, Peter? What's the other option? <laughs> I don't think we have any choice but to complete our season recap. And that the point I was going to make is this is the last episode that'll be like that. I think we have some future episodes to do this this year, bef- even before previewing next season. It's not me. And uh, you know, we got we got a bunch of news that's about to drop. So so far, Chase Jeter has transferred. Uh, Tatum is declared well, he is, for draft, yeah. and we are still waiting for some shoes to drop, and we'll discuss all that today as well, sort of what we think might happen. The longer that there are no news. No news is good news, good I Good news, yeah. Yeah, that's true, and it has been, it's now been eight days since the game. Like, I, I, expect, I expected Giles and Kennard to have declared. But, By now. But they haven't, so. They haven't yet. It gives me hope. Okay, so we'll get into that uh, after we, we talk about the heartbreak. Um, and, you know, we're not sure exactly what our recording schedule is going to be, but as things happen, as things accumulate, uh, I'd like to get together and, and do some additional podcasting. I'd, we definitely have some work to do. You know, we could do something about the NBA draft, about how our guys are going to do. We can, you know, we can do some episodes about some like miscellaneous topics. We're getting more and more emails from the fans. <laughs> yeah, we because we which, didn't which uh, would give us guidance in terms of like what what topics people might want to Yeah, over the summer. The more we hear from you guys, the better. We uh, we appreciate all the feedback we've been getting. Uh, and you know, the more the better. We'll you know, our motivation level, you know, is a little weaker than it was a couple weeks ago and we were excited about that ACC championship and the possibilities of the tourney run and going to Phoenix, but uh, we're still very enthusiastic about the program. Generally, looking forward to next year is going to be another exciting year. There's certainly a lot to talk about. Exciting? You think it's going to be exciting? Yeah, we've got some big recruits coming in, and uh, we got to talk about recruiting. We should probably do a whole episode about that. You know, once it's all settled. I'm not very optimistic about next season. Okay. Well, we'll get into it. Um, so let's start off with uh, with the Troy game. Uh, we'll keep it relatively short because who cares? <laughs> we won that one by 20. Uh, it was another one of those games where it felt like we should blow a team out. Or we could, you know, Troy actually played pretty decent. But I believe yeah. that that was the first uh, significant margin of victory that we've had in like... Two two and a half months since the Georgia Tech game, we won by twenty two points. Yeah, I don't think we've won, but we didn't like blow their doors off the entire game. But there was a clear separation. Yeah, you know, 
it looked like a two verse fifteen kind of game, which we've lost before. Which we have lost before, so it was good to win the game. It, I mean, we played. Looked like we played hard. We played well for the most part. Grayson Allen, great. Grayson had a really good game. Had a good game. Everyone contributed. Jason Tatum had a really good game. <coughs> Beautiful showcase for him. Put up like all the numbers: four point, four steals, four blocks, twelve boards, and just he looked. He looked like he was supposed to look, um, and it left me. The game basically left me optimistic for our tournament hopes. Luke struggled. Luke shot three of twelve from the field. It was, uh, it was a harbinger of things to come. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it was an entertaining game to watch. I enjoyed the game. It was. It felt like a good first step into the NCAA waters, and um, right after the game. Got to watch a little bit of Marquette, South Carolina. It was a close game for almost the entire game. It looked like Marquette was going to, you know, they had a lead. South Carolina has been down slightly in all their games in the tournament. Yeah. And this was the, the first of them. And looking at the game, I was really rooting. I was rooting for Wojo, not just because he's Wojo and he's in our graduating class, but also because it didn't look like that team was going to be able to cause us the same kind of problems. Athletic teams like South Carolina has caused this all year. Yeah, um, South Carolina looked in that game to. They reminded me of like a Miami or a Florida State at their peak, like this, you know, very intensely athletic. LSU two thousand six. Yeah, I was going to bring that up today actually. Um, so Cincinnati nineteen ninety nine. Wow, Cincinnati, yeah, with uh, Kenyon Martin and uh, Pete Mickle. Pete Michael, uh, that 2006 LSU loss. So, you know, obviously South Carolina goes on to beat Marquette, gives us a matchup I was slightly concerned about going it, in. Yeah, but it still seemed like our talent was probably going to win us the game. Um, I I watched it one additional time. It's been a while, but even like five minutes into the second half, you know, we had like a ten point lead. Yeah, against I mean, South Carolina. Yeah, I mean the key. The key was like it. It seemed like from the ACC on, like Coach K's, um, basically the way he was going to win is just by outscoring teams. Like he was just that's we had to we had to score. We had to score threes, waves of threes. We had to dribble drive. We had to score. We had to outscore the opponent, which is obviously very sounds very simple, but. Like I, I felt against South Carolina, we scored, but they never missed a shot in the second half, which was we're, we're, we're making a bunch of like um, trips down memory lane. But it was also very much like Arizona 2011. If you remember that second half, it seemed like they never missed a shot. Like Arizona with Derek Williams, like they were just raining threes on us the entire second half. Like they never missed. Like I thought South Carolina in this game, because let's let's go ahead and get into it. Yeah, South Carolina. When I say they outplayed us. They played on the offensive end, on both ends of the court. They played great uh, in the second half. Yeah. And second half, yes. They, they played particularly great on the offensive end in the second half. They made every right pass, every right decision. Not just because the shots went in, but they were just playing incredible <coughs> team basketball, and they they just they just looked like they knew exactly what they were doing. And I can't help but blame our defense for some of it. But yeah. more than just our defense, our offense let us down. 
So if you look at the at the box score, you'll see we scored 50 points in the second half. Yeah. But a lot of that came towards the end where we were fouling yeah. and, and, you know, hitting some shots. Like, the, the, the score ends up being a little bit of a cheat where there's like 15 to 15 last two minutes that gets tacked where, on. Where there are a ton of buckets. Tons of, yeah, yeah, tons of scoring came in like the last three or four minutes of the game where we were down by enough that we knew we had to foul and extend the game. Yeah. But, but really what happened was they, they took away all the passes that are usually easy for us to make all those little like Luke Kennard moves that wind up resulting in like that that sort of mid-range those five seven footers where he's like jumping towards the basket at the end yeah defenses overcommit they back off in the wrong spots they, like, they bite on them shot fake all the all the easy things that we usually get when it's just just comes down to running our offense we weren't getting they're making everything hard everything difficult with a little extra length, a little extra pressure applied in the right spots. They just had a really great defensive game plan. Yeah. And we helped them out, I thought, by playing a lot of one-on-one. There was a lot of like temptation for Jason Tatum and Grayson to like make one extra move, one extra dribble, one extra pass, and they just seemed to anticipate it. And they were really good at like deflecting balls, stealing the ball. Yeah. And we just turned the ball over a lot in the second half. And there were live ball turnovers that led to breakouts. And it, it, it just crushed us. Like, that tidal wave that we felt watching the game, it was there was, re, there was a reason it was happening. It wasn't they were getting lucky that they just rained down some threes on us. It was a result of, like, low-place I mean, pressure and some hero ball which has been part of the problem all season from some of our guys. And Tatum's been getting away with it lately, you know, most of the stretch of the second half. But here was an example where he didn't because the other team had great athletes and really good defenders. Yeah. I mean, all, all, the, all the players and, and the coaches afterwards were talking about the physicality and the persistence of the South Carolina D, how they would always just body you up and stay in front of you and be physical. They would always box you out. Um, yeah. Like, I felt like throughout the whole game, we just weren't... It seemed like there was, like, Vaseline on the ball. Like, they just... They weren't careful with it. They didn't value, they didn't value it. You know, we had 18 turnovers. Tatum and Frank Jackson had five each. And it wasn't just, like, just, you know, passing it to the other team. Like, they would dribble into, like, highly congested areas where it's pretty... Like, Tatum... They dribble into the paint. Tatum, yeah, Tatum in particular, like... His dribble is so high. He should know that his dribble is in danger of getting picked pretty much at any time like people are close by, but he doesn't seem to like factor that in. Ball handling. Yeah. Ball handling. Like the number one uh, thing I was thinking was this know. team the the Achilles heel was was, was ball guard. handling. It's not just we didn't have a true point guard. Yeah. But it's that everybody's handle is a little loose, a little suspect. As good as Luke Kennard was this year. He would find himself in these sort of like no man's land situations a lot. It worked out for him. Jason Tatum would be like a little too bold quite often this year. Yeah. And it usually sort of worked out. Grayson Allen. Tatum in in particular had one possession against Troy where he came down with a rebound and dribbled at the length of the court. And I can't remember how he screwed up. Got bailed out by a call. No, no, no. He he, he just either threw it away or he traveled or, or 
it, it was a spot where I, I... It's a little reckless. Yeah, I mean, like, I know he has the upside of taking it the whole way, and no one can stop him, but, like, I feel like the downside is just a little bit too big. I, like, if... I, I would say Tatum should be looking to pass to one of the one of the handlers. Yeah, and, you know, you're right. Frank Jackson had five turnovers. Luke Kennard happens, I mean, not just to... You know, he happens to just miss shots. He, yeah. he didn't take a lot of shots. He only took six shots from the field. Whatever they were doing to him off the ball was working. Yeah, he didn't force it, but... And that felt like LSU, that Garrett Temple guarding J.J. Redick LSU game from 2006 to me, where Tyrus Thomas was lording over us all throughout the paint, like just challenging every shot. Like, they just... That team took yeah, Ty- so many things away from us. I felt like Tyrus Thomas shut down J.J. and got into the passing lanes, and he was just an animal. Tyrus was kind of a big guy, I and mean, I'm sure he, he yeah. switched on to J.J. a decent amount, but... But, like, you know, Temple ended up being, like, a, an NBA defender. Like, LSU just had a, a, a team of athletes. It was it the, felt those are the similarly teams. frustrating. Those are the teams. Because, because like, I, I try to look back on another, this. Another SEC, SEC team, you know. Yeah. Probably not a complete coincidence. Right. I mean, I, I look back on the season, and I sort of look back on the last five, ten years, and Coach K just goes down a certain pathway. You know, like, he, he loves the scores. You know, he loves the J.J. Reddicks, the Luke Kennards, the Grayson Allen, Frank Jackson, Jason Tatum. And I, do, would you disagree with the statement that, like, he's he's valuing offense so much that his defense has become to a level where he can't win? Well, I think there's two, two factors here, right? One is the, the talent he has on hand and how he deploys them and how he decides he's going to build his team. So, like, me and you were salivating about Delarier and his athleticism. Bolden. Delarier, Bolden. And Bolden, sure. The, 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 so the if, only guy who's got a seven foot six wingspan. So, if Rick Pitino yeah. had this roster this year, he would have been thinking about sort of the, the, the defensive potential of the team. Yeah. And he would have had a, a way to use Jason Tatum's length. And, every, and our defense doesn't seem as... Like, our defensive game plan for the season, it just didn't seem like that was highly valued. I mean, Bolden doesn't play in the NCAA tournament. Delaria basically doesn't play all season. Uh, Giles, I mean, Giles' defense just was very strange all year. A few he, flashes. Yeah, I mean, like, flashes of blocks and his his rebounding. Yeah. I mean, he, he also has a 7-3 wingspan, which when I looked it up like a couple of weeks ago, both he and Bolden have huge wingspans. Yep. Like... You can see it when they rebound and block shots, you know, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, Tatum just, has incredible length. Like it's not like we had no defensive assets on the team, and you know, Krzyzewski's fond of saying how or fond of talking about when people talk about this with him, how he sort of doesn't have a system on offense. Tailors it to the personnel. Tailors it to the personnel. On defense, we've always just been a straight up man to man team. And back when we were in school in the late 90s, when we didn't have a ton going for us, I do remember the defensive intensity was always incredible, the ball pressure. And it may have had to do with Wojciechowski being our point guard. It, it may have had to do with sort of the personnel at the time. It just seems like through the years that's come and gone a little bit. Yeah. And where we were known for just kind of bringing it. Like people weren't ready for our defensive intensity for you know a lot of these years. 
obviously the last few years we've, we've featured teams frontlined by talented offensive players that weren't really great defensive players. So, like, is it the recruiting? Is it who we're recruiting? Or is it how we're deploying the talent? Is it that decision to just sit down DeLaurier, Bolden, like, not make those guys big parts of the team? Yeah, I mean... I mean it's both, right? The, the last time I introduced uh, Ken Palm, yeah. I felt like you just tuned me out. But let me... let I'm me listen this time. Let, let me make one, one more bid. Since Ken Palm has started tracking these advanced metrics starting in 2002... Uh, like 15 of the last 16 national title winners have been top 15 in defense. There's been one team that was outside the top 15, and they were 21st. This is a defensive efficiency Defen- rating? Yeah, that measures the number of points per 100 possessions. Okay? If, if you look at the... F- weighted for opponent? Yeah, weighted for schedule, weighted for okay. everything. You know, like, I mean, I don't understand it, but I can look at the offensive rating and the defensive rating. Yeah. And we're never an offensive liability. We're always like top 10, top 5 offensively. We used to be consistently like top 5, top 10, at worst top 20 defensively from uh, 2000 to say like 2010. After 2010, it's, we've had some years where our defense has been horrific. Like the Austin Rivers year, the Jabari Rodney Hood year, mm-hmm. last year, and then this year to, to, to some degree. And even our title team in 2015, like, our defense really didn't kick in until, like, the last month and a half of the season. Um, like, if you remember some of the games, like, our defense was atrocious. Uh, but I don't, like, I don't, is, is, is that a fair question? Like, do you, do you think, like, is it Wojo? Wojo took off and all of a sudden, like, our defense sucks? Like, why, why is it that if you, looked at, if you look at Ken Palm's stats, like, You'll just be floored by some of these stats. Like our 2002 team that lost to Indiana in the Sweet 16 a long time ago, but that was Jay Will, Carlos Boozer, and Michael Dunleavy's Incredible final year. Team. Incredible defensive team. They were number one offense in the country and number one defense in the country. Wow. And then I, I looked at the, the next seven, eight years. Mm-hmm. We're never outside the top 20 defense. You know, like we're top five, top 10, top 20. Like, I don't, like, our defense seems, like, I look at this year and, and I feel like when Luke and Grayson are both on the floor, like, if the other team has, like, competent wings or guards, they just drive right at them. They drive right to the rack. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about the defense all and, year. We've talked about we strategic have no, choices yeah. that have been made. And Coach K chose not to put in, like, a rim protector. I mean, he had a meal. I mean, he got, he was a bit gimpy, but he's got, like, I mean, Emil had Shiles a bunch of blocks against South Carolina. And by the way, Emil, Emil was out like a fighter. Emil like a went warrior, down like right? a warrior. Yeah. He was, I actually, during that game that, that rung a bell, uh, I really wish he was mic'd up because he was just woofing at Luke Kennard at, at some point in the game. Uh, yeah, he's, like, he's, like just, he's just, he just, just lit into him right before a TV timeout. I just wish I knew what he was saying because... It looked like Luke Kennard was going up for the board initially, and then South Carolina got the ball, shot it again, and then Emil like tried to tap it to him, and then it just went out of bounds or something. And he was just, he was livid. It looked like Kennard gave up on the play, and and Emil was just was letting him, let, letting yeah. him have it. I mean, he played incredible. He had five or six blocks, I think six blocks, yeah, fourteen or fifteen rebounds, and even like. <laughs> In the very, very, very early stages of the South Carolina game, like he scores a bucket, 
and he's just clapping his hands. He's like trying to get his teammates fired up. Like so, something was, was, was missing. He was like, fantastic. To get back to the game itself, we'll get back to the defensive issue because I, I like it. Yeah. And I want to talk about it. Just to, to round out the game, Emil played like a warrior. Grayson came out in the first half and kind of saved our offensive game somewhat and yeah. helped us build that lead. He hit three threes in the first. He goes dead cold in the second. Luke Kennard never gets it going. Uh, Frank Jackson has a game fraught with turnovers. Jason Tatum so, in the still, second half turns the ball over a lot. Yeah. And we it basically just snowballs on us. The other team executes incredibly well. We get down such a big number, and we're just not executing on a fundamental basis. I thought ball handling was a huge part of it, yeah. and I thought clearly defense was a big part of it. Yeah, I and thought it was more defense. Yeah. I mean, to me, it was, the, it was those live ball turnovers that led to them. Like, there was a reason they broke out of their shell. It, it wasn't like they became great shooters. Part of the reason they shot a high percentage. They're still they're terrible shooters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, I mean, they're still an atrocious offense. And but The other part, the last part I want to point out is that we, again, basically play six guys. Harry Giles gets nine minutes. Yeah. Uh, and our short rotation comes back, in my opinion, to haunt us. There's a reason the second half started getting away from us. It was an exhausting game. Right. At the end of it, probably an exhausting couple of weeks of basketball. Really an exhausting season. Yeah. Guys with injury. I mean, maybe stamina, like general conditioning is a problem when Emil and Grayson can't practice. practice. And, you know, and the guys coming off the injuries too. You know, but... This is, this is too simplistic of a... Of a Parallel, but yeah. Kansas also only played six when they lost to Oregon, and that I mean that might. Yeah, and gain. it's not like South Carolina had this huge rotation. They didn't play ten guys. They but they probably only have like two or three guys who can make a bucket. Like their their big guy, that white guy, couldn't he couldn't make a layup. It seemed like he couldn't make a two foot shot if his life depended on yeah. it. I mean, they just had the better game plan. They played with better intensity and effort, especially especially on the defensive end. And they just played better team basketball. That's okay. that's the long okay. and short of it. Um, I don't see. I don't know if they played better team basketball. I I bet if you watch, okay, this this is just a fact. All right, South Carolina entering the tournament mm-hmm. lost five of their previous seven games and six of their previous nine. If you watch those games, I would say you probably look at them and say. Oh, this team doesn't play good team basketball. Actually, they suck. Well, I bet that's probably that's I bet probably their what, defense was still pretty good. And right. defense is inherently right. a team basketball kind of thing. When I'm saying they're playing great team basketball, their communication, the way their defense moved, it was like one living organism, right? All the best college right. defenses yes. are like that. Like, yes, you know, you know uh, the amoeba defense, yeah. UNLV's amoeba defense, John Chaney's zone, Syracuse's zone. They all play with each other oh. and it's not like one man out on an island it's never that yeah and that's what this team reminded me of and yeah I'm being results oriented because look they've ripped off a bunch of wins and I bet you if I look back at the previous games where they lost a bunch I would have found things to criticize but still our team defense never. hasn't really looked like that all year except maybe in that stretch against North Carolina but even there it was like they sort of just we probably got lucky at, making at, some plays home, you mean? Yeah, we're, we're, you know, we stole the ball a few times in a row. And we have, we've had stretches this season. Second half against Miami in that 
Yeah. That that one game where Capel was coaching. Final we, three minutes at Wake Forest. We had great defense. Yeah. Like we <laughs> where, it's, where it seemed like every possession for the other team, they had to use up their entire shot clock and then chuck up some prayer. You know? But yeah. But that just never never gelled, never meshed, never developed for, for our team. I mean, I also think it's clear that the ACC was somewhat overestimated this year. <sighs> Come on. I mean, again, you, we could talk about sample size, but how how I, I've never seen the ACC just get obliterated like this in a tournament with eight of the nine teams eliminated by the, you know, the end of the second round and – I mean, close. Carolina games. almost loses to Arkansas, and it would it would have looked so all the much te- worse. All the teams remaining probably almost lost a game, and you could you can think of different like pathways. Like Louisville lost a heartbreaker. You know, like it's not that inconceivable if we beat South Carolina, we knock off the next two games, and we're in the final four, and then people would be talking about how great the ACC is. Like, I don't know. I mean, I hear you. It was yeah. yeah. ACC definitely felt pretty flat on its face if you value. What, what, happens actually, what actually in, happened in this super short term, super high variance single elimination tournament? This potpourri of variance, and people just stick so much meaning into it. And and there is meaning, and teams and players and coaches should be celebrated. But it's mostly just a huge smorgasbord of luck. And there's other years. I mean, if you look at the historical performance of the ACC, we, you know, if I'm saying we in the ACC, we overperform based. You know, versus uh, the other big conferences, we you know I, I track it kind true? of every year. We yeah, true? ACC tends to, to show very well in the NCAA's. Obviously, over twenty years, it doesn't feel like small sample size. Any particular year, we I, also have great teams. Yeah, now this year it wasn't like there were three or four teams; there were nine, right? Yeah, but I mean, like the bottom four or five were. Yeah. We were the. We definitely had four or five like top. Four, four, five seeds. I think. Yeah, we were the only conference to, the only major conference to, uh, to fare as poorly as we did from like a win loss record uh, through the first two rounds. Uh, okay. Nobody else looked. Nobody else looked like us. So, so, so anyhow, we're, we're, we're probably like, not as bad as we looked this year. We probably weren't as good as we looked the previous two years. Perhaps. Uh, well, a lot of what we talked about this year was, well, we're. We're playing an incredibly hard schedule against such a rough ACC. Yeah, and on the road, for no, for, for, ha- for, Duke have... in, for Duke in particular, that was a that was a fact, big factor. Yeah, that probably wasn't talked that much. Like we played all these great ACC teams right. on the road. One of the reasons we deserved a two seed is because of the strength of our schedule. Uh, you know, just looking at the rest of the ACC's performance, I mean, I was really surprised Louisville, Florida State, you know, didn't didn't play better. Uh, I, I thought I thought Louisville played great, and they lost a really really tough game. Um, who did they lose to? Can't remember. Beats me. <laughs> oh, it was Michigan. Michigan, Michigan just got hot in yeah. the tournament. Yeah, Michigan. But see, like, yeah, and Michigan. Michigan played great, um, mm-hmm. but that was that was a that was a that was an incredible game. Incredible. And there's, been, there's been some really great games lately in the oh, tournament. Incredible games! Wow. Uh, and, and, and so, yeah. Yeah. Should we, should we? I would love to talk about a few things. Uh, it, UNC, Luke May, Luke. I wish we had Luke May. I'm gonna say it. <laughs> I wish we had Luke May. And Luke May uh, has this has this char- characteristic that is reminiscent of Chris Carwell. 
I felt like Chris Carwell, like no moment was ever too big for him. Like he just didn't realize he was playing in the Final Four. Or he didn't realize he was playing in a national championship game. Like Luke May, the moment is never too big for him. Like he gets into the game and he just starts chucking. Like he doesn't care. <laughs> he takes the right shots. He does. I mean, yes. But like if you were almost a walk on and you're like eighth guy on the team, wouldn't you want to like get into the flow of the game, <laughs> set some picks, grab a rebound? And so he's he gets in there and he starts gunning. Yeah, I mean you know you got I mean you got those eyebrows and you got that look you're rocking. You got you gotta gotta have a lot of chutzpah. So good for him. I mean he played on the same AAU team as Cinderis Thornwell. No, didn't know that. He's only a sophomore, mm-hmm. and uh, you know he obviously has a lot of personal self belief uh, to come to UNC, do what he's done. Amongst sort of the the talent around him, so good for it was an incredible game. What a, what an ending, you know. I I mean UNC yeah. kind of botched it to get to the point where they needed to sink that shot. <laughs> Kennedy Meeks, <laughs> and Kennedy Meeks could have been a huge goat, and Justin Jackson could have been a huge goat for missing the front end of a one on one. Kennedy Meeks, I mean you know Roy Williams is going to have like at least minimum three timeouts at the end of a game because he never uses them. And he gets a five-second call for failing to inbound the ball. He could have called a timeout. That was unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. And he's a senior. <laughs> I guess he didn't want to be like Chris Webber. Um, did you see any of the um, post-game interviews of De'Aaron Fox? Didn't see the interviews. Ah, uh, you got to watch it. It'll it'll literally break your heart. Like, you know, that you, guy's a warrior. You by the way. you 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 Coach Cal gets all these one and done kids. For those who didn't yeah. see it. Fox scored 39 against matchup against Lonzo Ball. Ball. Yeah. In like what a what a sick matchup for you know the elite eight like you know not even to get to the final four of like two of the best point freshman point guards in like college basketball recent history. Yeah, that game kind of destroys him. Holds yeah. him to 10 points. Right. Yeah. I mean he just he just went off and I th- I think uh coach Cal just gave him the green lights just Look to attack and score for the rest of the game instead of distributing, and his teammates were all about it. Uh, but if if you see his his uh, post game interview, like he's just breaking down and crying, like I mean literally bawling, and that's sort of like what I love about college hoops is the players are young, they care so much more. Like you know, like in the NBA during timeouts, guys half the guys aren't even listening or watching. Like uh, you know, you hear reports in Chicago that. Uh, Dwayne Wade and Jimmy Butler, they don't even run the plays that uh, the coach, uh, Fred Hoiberg, calls. Um, but these kids, they care so much. and like I think that's the exception rather than the rule in the NBA. Okay. I mean, but, the NBA is actually – I mean, the, right. the regular season's a grind. But, but in, in, in OKC, like if Billy Donovan is gathering his team for a team huddle or, and they're discussing things, like right. Kyle, Kyle Singler is not listening. He's just like sitting out off, off on his own, you know, like – that's because he's never in the game. Right. And, and his confidence <laughs> sure. is shot. But to to go back to Kentucky and how Coach Calipari always has these one-and-done kids, like, like you really don't know how in how how much these players buy in. Like, I just assume they're all sort of like Ben Simmons, like, just going through the motions, and then I, I want to get... I think get, Ben Simmons was special. I want to get paid, yeah. and I want to... you know. But Darren Fox threw me a curveball. Like, he... Actually, he and Bam Adebayo are literally weeping. Yeah. They're, they're weeping, and they're, like, consoling each other. And then I, I Googled uh, De'Aaron Fox. I mean, apparently this kid is just a phenomenal kid. You know, there are reports that 
just standing up for a kid who was bullied in high school. There was a, a kid with like a terminal illness at his school who had had moved. I think he's from Louisiana, but this kid had moved from Kentucky and he was a Kentucky fan. So when Calipari came in and went had his house visit with Darren Fox, Darren Fox had that wheelchair kid uh, in and with the pictures and like he apparently he's just a just like a phenomenal young man. I'm just a huge fan. So this is Pete's Pete's team, Peter's team of uh, people we wish were on the Duke team this year. We I, one of Dunn's we wish we had had. I wish we Darren, had Darren Fox, Darren Fox <laughs> over Lonzo Ball. Wish Luke May had come over to Duke because we could have used him this yeah. year. Like he probably never gets in the game. Yeah, uh, for, for sure, he probably would not get into the game. Yeah, uh, for that matter, uh, kid on South Carolina, Coswell. Cinderus uh, Thornwell. Thornwell. Apparently, he was suspended for like six or seven games this season for uh, weed and driving under the impairment. He's so coming we, off like a rose yeah, we right can now. Sk- we can skip him. Two but he's, yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, the whole the whole team's fantastic. The story's fantastic. Um, did I tell you that I met Frank Martin, twenty ten Final Four? Uh, no, is it an interesting story? He no, he's just walking up the hallway. hallway. I just shook his hands, and at the time he was coaching Kansas State, where my parents weren't just went to school. And I was like, you know, great season, coach. And, and he seemed very appreciative of that, and he moved on. That was the team with Jacob Pullen and Dennis Clemente. Um, but he is he's getting a lot of good press too. Like he's, he's looking he's, great. He seems like <laughs> such a like a mean bully, like always cussing out his players on the court. But apparently off the court, he's like this big teddy bear. But I don't know if that's nobody, true. Nobody has had success at South Carolina in basketball, I mean, you know, since Eddie Fogler. You know, like no one yeah. – like it's it's been like a relatively dead spot. They occasionally get a player or two, but, you know, it's a, it's very impressive. I mean, he did win 20 games this year. It wasn't like – 25. Yeah. I mean, well, Actually, now. They now might be 25. up to 25. Oh, really? They won 22 coming in. They were 22 and 11 okay. before we played them, or 23 and 11 at that point. So, like, you, you know, it was I, a good year for them. Did you and know that this they, is crazy? Did you know they were part of the ACC back in the day? Yeah, of course. And uh, did yeah. you know the last time they won an NCAA tournament that uh, Mike Dunleavy's father was on the team? Uh, I don't think I knew that. Yeah. No, that's interesting. And Mike when senior. the brackets were revealed. South Carolina was five hundred to one to win it all. Well, that's, at the MGM, that is incredible. That's incredible. That's that's literally saying this team has no shot. Yeah, this, because they've lost all these games coming in, and they really shouldn't be in the tournament. There's been some high seeded teams yeah. that have gotten this far. Yeah. So the final four is Oregon, North Carolina, uh, South Carolina, and Gonzaga. Gonzaga. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm gonna be honest. I'm pulling for the two Carolinas. Yeah, I I always have a, I always want to root for the team that beat us because I want to feel better about our loss. But I also want to root for local ACC teams, whether it is Carolina or not. I just think it's good for the league. It's good for our rivalries. And I think if, and like the South Carolina team, they just I just love the way they play. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like I love Sundaris Thornwell. I love Frank Frank Martin. But I love the Gonzaga program too. You know, I, I do. Yeah. Um, but if if either the Carolinas win, then well, I mean, more if UNC wins, we could say we beat the national champ twice. Two out of three. Yep. We did not beat South Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Emil goes out like a warrior. Yeah. Uh, Matt Jones. Matt, Matt Jones actually played pretty solid in the tournament. 
Yeah, he, he he had a pretty decent he, year. He knocked you know, down a couple. He knocked down a couple threes uh, in the first half. One was pretty lengthy, and uh, he seemed he seemed more dialed in. You know, he had twenty points in two games. He had, he had some production yeah. in the, all the other stats. Yeah. Um. So those guys are he, those guys are. He couldn't shut down Sindor's Sindor's Thornwall. No. No, he he didn't. He wasn't able to do that. Uh, nobody made enough winning plays, obviously. Yeah. yeah. But so goodbye to those seniors. Yes. Uh, any other seniors? Those but, are the seniors. Bye bye to Jason Tatum. See ya. Jason Tatum goes to the draft. <laughs> we'll just, we'll discuss him with some more perspective later down the line. I think we we spent enough time talking about Jason Tatum this year. Ultimately, it's just a shame his last game. In the second half, he turned the ball over so many times and failed to come up as big as we would have hoped he could have come up. You know, because yeah. you know he was capable. It was it was possible. Bye bye, Chase Jeter. Chase Jeter. So we we've been going back and forth about whether you, you he was just injured. you just assumed that he couldn't play. He got zero minutes right. in the last that, two and a half that, months. The, 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 Day before South Carolina, there was a News and Observer article which basically stated he's 100% healthy. Like those are the words out of his mouth. He's like, "I'm good to go. Like I can play." But so he must have already told the coaching staff that he was gone, right? There must have been something that happened behind the scenes that he didn't play a minute the last two months of the season, and nobody's just sharing. Nobody's sharing it, like because Vrankovic is on the court, Jack White's on the court in the tournament. Well, Jack White is smaller and shooter. Okay, but yeah, I, I, he, I would have taken him I mean, over Antonio Brankovich. Four games in four days in the ACC. He doesn't step on the court once. Yeah, and he's a guy who started games at the beginning of the year and didn't play that poorly. Yeah, but when he did, we lost some games, but he didn't play that poorly. Like his PER was decent. It, you know, he's the highest yeah. block percentage on the team. Like he's an the, he's an academic stud, also. Yeah. So in my my opinion, I'm just gonna say it. Something happened. We don't know about it. Some negative event during practice. Some argument with the coaching staff about his role. Something. There was a there was a decision point where either he said I'm done, or they said you're done. <laughs> because nothing else makes sense to me as to why he wouldn't step on the court one more minute if he's been healthy. So, who knows what. You have any source on this, Mike? I have no source, but but I, but I. So you think he had a moment that like that Rashid Suleiman had back no, uh, when they no, lost no, Notre Dame and Coach K said, "Okay, you're done, you're finished." No, that was an actual kicking a guy at the team. Yeah. Here's one. No, but where you're saying something like that happened, but it was to a lesser degree, and they came to a mutual understanding that he would transfer after the season, and he he yeah. My guess he is he just anymore. decided to transfer, and he told them. Yeah, and. Maybe they knew it was coming because they weren't giving him any play. And, you know, I'm sure he regrets having come back for his second season because he didn't really make a lot of progress on the court. And uh, He did have a few nifty moves in our first few games, offensive moves, actually, spin I, moves. I was impressed by his development from what little of it I was able to see. So Jeter's gone, yeah. right? Just, you know. Who knows what happened? Whose fault it was? Uh, we know he didn't show up freshman year, ready I, to like I can play you, really great. I can tell you whose fault it was. Yeah, Coach K <laughs> okay. and the coaches. 
Okay, let me, let me and listen, listen, well, listen. Well, okay. are we going to go through all the guys, whether they're coming back, what sure. are we going to do? But let, let me just give you a little mental thing, all right? Okay. Every year, there's like however many, 500 high school kids who are going to play college ball. 500. You just pack them all in the gym. Mm-hmm. Out of the 500 kids in Chase Jeter's year, the best player was Ben Simmons. The second best player, Brandon Ingram. The 10th to 15th best player was Chase Jeter out of all those kids. Well, he was definitely one of the 20 or 30. He was uh, he was, yeah. he was 11th on ESPN, maybe 15th or 16th on like rivals or scouts, but like he's a top top recruit and he's 6'10, 6'11, he's smart. Marquise Bolden, same thing, top 15 recruit. And like if by the end of the season they're so useless you can't play them. I mean, that should be an indictment of the coaching. Absolutely. They should be gone. Absolutely. <laughs> Fire him. Take it easy, Peter. Uh, Jeter, uh, Jeter, they put on the court. It was just very clear he wasn't ready for prime time last right. year. Yes. And I don't, okay. I don't know that I can blame the coaching staff for that. I think he just turned out to be a bit overrated. Can I rebut? Sure. So I agree with you. They all, like Chase especially, is just a, he's just out of control when he gets on the court. He's probably too excited, like a puppy. Gets no attention. This freshman year. Right. So, like, Coach K values winning so much, and that's why he's the all-time winningest coach. But I just feel like he has to take a longer-term view in the first 10, 15 games of the season. Like, we, there are a lot of cupcakes on the schedule. He's got to take the worst of it and play these guys. Like, uh, Bolden, Jeter, these guys, I bet, could all be – very good. There's plenty of minutes to play sprinkle me- throughout the year. Meaningful minutes. And like, there's no reason, especially in a year where people are injured, that all these guys shouldn't have gotten significant minutes at times during the season to, to show what they could do and to feel as if they're being given a look. I'm sure Coach K's counter-argument would be, these guys didn't, didn't bring it in practice, they got outplayed, and I'm not putting them on the court because they're just not good enough. But, I don't know. It like he you know, probably, we, we both agree. He probably said the same thing about Semi Ojale. Yeah, and Michael, Michael Benige, and uh, you know maybe he was right about Alex Murphy. <laughs> he right? was definitely right about Jamal Boykin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, it goes back to uh, you know, it goes back to Billy McCaffrey, it goes back to Joey Beard. It goes back. It's a long history of talented guys of very, not not meeting Coach K's expectations, and then just. Never seeing playing time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, it just is. Yeah. We've always been able to live with it, you know. Right. Like, uh, it's a little bit of uh, Darwinism, you know. The the, bad, the best players eat up the the ones that just can't hack it. But this season in particular, I thought there was just a bright a bright line through the entire season as to how can some of these guys get no minutes. Like, how can Bolden barely see the court this year? How can Giles, once he's back and clearly somewhat healthy, not be, like, given the chance to get a bigger role? You know, where's Delarier? Well, when you need <clears throat> defensive effort, where are these yeah. guys? Right? Like, why, why, why couldn't they come in a little bit? I'd still love to get the official word about Sean Obi. <laughs> I know he had knee surgery in the offseason. He's going to be a student manager next year. <laughs> you know, he's only a junior. Yeah, but he's probably like 24. 
Well, he's not. And, and actually, the the guy the guy yeah, who's Jack future, White. the guy whose future I, I am curious to, to know about the most is Marquise Bolden. So yeah, like, let's, like let's, I think Coach K ruined his prospects. Let, let's get into he, it. He literally ripped it. out one year of so solid earning. Who do we know that? Who do we know that's coming back? Frank we, Frank Jackson. Frank ja- Frank Jackson, we think is coming back. He's it. That is it. That's and all you got. And he's the only one, hundred percent sure, that's coming back. I mean, besides these sort of bench players that yeah, I mean, like Jack White, transfer. Delorier, Antonio Frankovich, those guys will be back. But it'll be Frank Jackson, Delorier, and Frankovich. Frankovich is probably happy. Who knows? They have Justin Robinson, right? All right. So, actual players that played this year, Frank Jackson. Frank Jackson's back. Uh, let's go through them. Grayson Allen. Possible, but I think highly unlikely. What do you think He's, the percentages? I, I think I think you said it was zero at one point. I felt like he he played he um he took summer school very aggressively in an order to graduate in three years. He's currently listed around pick fifty on Draft Express. Yeah, I I mean like I just don't see him improving his stock that much. So I mean I could see how he'd be frustrated with the entire experience. Yeah. And not want to come back. I could also see how he's already three years in. It's just one more year. He can kind of restore some of his reputation by being a solid citizen next year. Kind of putting some of this in the past. But he's got to deal with a lot. I could see it going either way, honestly. I mean, there's certainly opportunity. I would love like, to see. We could use him. I would love to see Grayson come back. Yeah. I, 30%? You know what keeps me up at night? Yeah. Is if he came back and tripped another guy. I never lose sleep about this. I could give an F. <laughs> I don't. Who cares? Who cares? Yeah, who cares anymore? Okay, the season's right. over. I mean, you'll care when he's in a straitjacket in some institution. <laughs> so Grayson, there's a, there's, it's been a week he hasn't declared. So okay. there's definitely a chance Grayson's I, I, coming back. I think back. both Luke and Grayson are going to be very careful and methodical in terms of analyzing their draft potential right. and like no huge benefit to declaring last week most yeah. I think most kids wait until after the college basketball season is officially over um, but not everybody not Lonzo Ball not Lonzo Ball right away uh, not that there was much doubt but uh, Luke Kennard I would I actually think Luke, Luke is Kennard is like Luke is a much better incentive to leave he's flirting with like the top 20 pick yeah he's projected in the late first rounds and who knows what happens next year? He did have a rough end of the season. I'm sure he's it's just only two games, though. Yeah, yeah, such a deal. great year. I think Luke. I think Luke's probably like fifty to sixty percent. Uh, that's sort of maybe a rosy outlook. To return or to go? I mean, I would just be happy if either Grayson or Luke came back. I'd, I'd like one of them. Would you be? Would you take one of them right now if it was offered? You just you flip a coin and you get one of them. Did yes. you take it? Yes. I would take it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that must mean they're slightly they're both kind of less likely to not to to leave. And then um, you know Harry Giles. Harry Giles still projected as a first round pick, yeah. late first round. They have him going right before Canard on Draft Express. I don't know. I sort of don't know how, except that his potential was so rocket high. Yeah. Right, sky high. Um, I've heard it said he has nothing to gain by coming back, but I don't. I don't really get that. Like, couldn't he come back, be incredible, and be the number one pick next year, or at least be a top five pick if he just dominates? 
if he if he doesn't believe that's going to happen, then I I understand why he leaves 100. percent I I think with these kids, I think the the most important factor is just getting that free agent contract. So getting so, so each, getting to each that year, free agent you, year, you come back to college, earlier, like yeah. you're 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 just sure you're delaying one year of that free agent contract. Well, and basically, that, that's where all the money. If is. you're a first round pick, what you have is rookie scale, yeah. and it's three years and a fourth year that's a team option okay. as it currently stands. So Harry Giles goes late first round. He's going to get like maybe a million and a half a right. year, maybe to, up to two million, two and a half towards the back end of his contract. And then after that fourth year, he's a restricted free agent. Right. Okay. And then at that point, the market sets his value. And so the sooner he gets to that fifth year in the pros, the better because at, ideally in his mind at that point, he's fully healed, he's back, and he's Harry Giles again. Right. So he might just be thinking, the sooner I get there, the better. Because at that point, I'll have real market value. And whether I come, and if he comes back to Duke, and he ends up being like the 11th pick in the draft instead of the 25th or like the 7th. Okay, now he gets three, four, five, six million a year, which is certainly better, guaranteed. And then, but he's a free agent a year later. And that free agent year is likely to be 10 to 15 million a year, perhaps yeah. more. Yeah. But also, maybe just he's terrible. Right, so does that factor too? This could be this four-year deal could be the only deal he ever gets, right? It could be yeah. next year he comes back and he just proves himself to be not very good anymore. I feel and I, he never gets drafted, right? What's 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 your take on him as a player? As like I, well, I don't think it's fair to judge him. I just don't. I still don't feel like we have. But what we do have to go off of, we had a guy who I feel like his he's body be, was not ready. I feel like he's going to be pretty good. In the NBA? Yeah, wherever he plays. If he ever gets healthy, yeah. then I think he's definitely going to be a pretty good NBA player. Uh, as to whether he'd be a pretty good college player next year, I don't know. My guess is his body needs a decent amount of time to really come back all the way. And I think what we saw is even though he was healthy enough to play, he wasn't healthy enough to... hadn't been healthy enough long enough to play well. Right. Um, but and, and, like, yeah... He's had an ace on both knees. Yeah, and he's he's facing like a like a basketball education deficit as well. Like, if all of his learning took place when he was sixteen, seventeen, he has to re-educate his body and his mind to, to to kind of play defense with the new body he has, which which may be a little different than the old body, or okay. it may be that sixteen-year-olds just really don't know how to play great defense yet, yeah. and like he just had to learn all that, but he hasn't been able to because he's been out. <clears throat> you know that weird thing he did where he just moved in the players all the time and picked up fouls. Yeah, he did seem like it didn't you know, improve. S- sort of freshmany in terms of like making mistakes and and actually like uh, that that brings he seemed like back. a high school junior in terms of his experience on defense. Coach K was real quick to yank him out of the Troy game. Like he made a few mistakes early on. He picked up a couple of quick fouls and then I. The, the, I think he had three fouls in the, like the, six or eight minutes. The last straw was he did this like really weird dribble to his left. He did a fall away about the free throw line, and he chucked up a shot left-handed. <laughs> Coach K said, "You're done. Actually, <laughs> get I, out of here. Sit down. You're not playing anymore." I, I it was it was it was actually one of the craziest shots I've I've seen anybody take. He played six minutes in that Troy game. Yeah. He had 
three fouls, two turnovers, and that missed shot. But that shot was the last draw. It was actually pretty comical. I guess it was it was uh, it was fitting. It was it was a fitting like uh, symbol for the season. Yeah, I mean, what a coup if he does come back. But I think when he came to Duke, he had a plan in mind. His plan is to leave, and I don't I don't think I don't think he's. I just don't think he's uh, he's going to deviate from that plan. I think for better or worse, he's going to take his try his luck in the pros. And um, I mean, he didn't have a good enough experience here, probably, to to say, yeah, I want to come back and do this again. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like there's just too much uncertainty. Yeah, I think it's fair to say he's probably gone. I think I think Harry Giles is. What know, about Bolden? Eighty, ninety percent gone. So Bolden's the interesting one because. Because I think, you know, most people I've read and listened to, like, believe Harry Giles is gone, Luke Kennard's probably gone, and who knows, maybe maybe Kennard or Allen will surprise us. Bolden, Bolden, Bolden's draft stock fell from outside lottery, bottom end of the lottery, to just off the board completely, pretty much, right? Uh, they have him next year as a second-round pick currently. So, he's in the second round next year. He fell out of the first round next year. Uh, I believe so. Is okay. it possible he's at the late end of the first for next year? Okay, okay, that's what yeah. It, it doesn't really matter. But the point is, he's not. And like he screwed because nobody's thinking about Bolden. Yeah, this so draft. he screwed because if he declares, the the boards are saying he's not going to get drafted. And secondly, if he transfers, he's got a, He's wasting right. two years where he can't make any money. Right. So he can come out. And he can. And he, he can be a apparently he's probably he's probably miserable at Duke. He doesn't yeah. want to stay there, you know. Like yeah, he can't transfer without having to skip a year. His plan was probably to be one and done, or some thought of, of that. Of course, at least. he was projected like a top yeah. eight. Like he he was so, projected eight. I remember it was one three eight. One was Giles, three was Tatum, and eight was Bolden. Yeah, Tatum still right there. Well, he's four. So you know, Giles drops to the bottom. But he's still like you know like twentieth or so. Yeah, he's Harry still, Giles is. People still believe in his upside. Bolden, there's like, oh wait, this guy. Like, actually, we don't we, we don't know anything about we, this guy. Yeah, it, we when, know he's tall. We no, know when they project that he'll be there. I mean, Bolden may think to himself, I just got to get in there, get into workouts, and I'll show him, and I'll be a first round pick. He may have that level of self belief. But he so, he was pretty healthy this year. Yeah, like he. There's no doubt he couldn't get on the court to do. They said that you know some mysterious lower leg injury kept him out for the first however many games, but yeah, it wasn't. So the best example you know, last year is Scal the BCA. Okay, he was a top, he was number one or number two on Draft Express's board going yeah. into last year. Yeah, he has an incredibly disappointing season. He really wasn't, didn't look ready to, to play well, like play good college basketball. Right, and he ended up coming off the bench for Kentucky. Right. Yeah. Uh, and Kentucky was disappointing, and Scott was disappointing, and everybody agreed he wasn't ready at all. So he comes out anyways, and he gets drafted late first round, okay. I believe, maybe early second, I think late first. He pretty much rides the pine all season. They trade DeMarcus Cousins, and now they've started to give him some, some PT. He scores 30 the other night. You know, last week he scores 30 points in a game, which was probably fluky, but you know, he's kind of the model at this point. If he was a second-round pick, he's setting himself up to get some free agent money, right. like right away. If he if he was a late first-round pick, okay, he's going to get to his free agent year. Quickly, there's less pressure on him to develop. Like, that probably doesn't sound that bad to Harry Giles. Now, 
I think he still was a late first, but Bolden, there's no indication he will be. Right. So he's got to like go back to the proving grounds and show himself to be good enough in college basketball. Like that's probably how he's thinking about it. And if he transfers, he has to wait a whole another year yeah. over at Kansas or Kentucky, wherever he's going to transfer to. Right. So like that doesn't seem like a good option. He sort of let, and and if he if he is pissed about this season and the way he was kind of treated in terms of playing time. Well, he's sort of like his best option is Duke because the cupboard's bare a little bit next year. It's hard to imagine he wouldn't be able to get playing time, but if the coaching staff doesn't like him and he feels like Coach K is against him, he comes back and he looks right down the bench at Chase Jeter and his experience coming back thinking next year will be better, and he realizes that may not happen. Yeah. So, like, he's in an awful spot. He's in a horrendous spot. I mean, he could play overseas. Or he could just take his luck in the draft, impress people at workouts, become a late first, second, more likely a second round or not drafted guy, and Overs- go, go play pro basketball somewhere. No, I mean, if he's yeah. going to do that, he's well, going to declare know. for the NBA. We just don't know him that well well enough. Well, that is, like, declare for the NBA, he still might, might wind up overseas. Probably has a picture of Coach yeah. Gay on his wall, throwing darts <laughs> at it. So we're hoping that Bolden is kind of trapped into coming back. <laughs> that sounds awful. It's, but that's, but, you know... Perhaps, That's, perhaps behind the scenes, there's more understanding than we were attributing. Like, perhaps he understands, you know what? I didn't get myself healthy and in shape soon enough this year to earn a starting spot. Next year, I'm going to earn it. And he knows he's good enough. And maybe, maybe that's his attitude. Hopefully. So you had this whole well-thought-out idea yeah. re- regarding uh, Chase Jeter. Uh, you don't have a similar one about Marquise Bolden, who apparently wasn't even there for the first first two games of the NCAA tournament because of flu. You yeah, think, no, think, I mean, you, I am I am also you think, you think very that was, suspicious. You think that, that was suspicious? Didn't smell the absolutely suspicious. Bolden Bolden doesn't get on the court in the NCAA. Doesn't show up for the games. Doesn't play in the ACCs at all. Yeah, and when there were stretches in the year where it looked like he might be our our, our rim protector, right? Like, if Capel had stayed coach, I think Bolden would have played more. But even there, he played a bunch of minutes, and then all of a sudden he kind of didn't. We don't know what happened. We'll never know, I guess. These people, like, you know, tight ship. They're tight lips, sink ships. They just, okay. you know. I was just asking you around. Yeah, I mean, there's two years of Jeter. There's only one year of Bolden. Who's to say? But, yeah, I'll throw a conspiracy theory out there that Bolden is just done, that he's, like, figuring out his options and just hasn't declared it yet. But like it might be a situation where over his dead body he's coming back to Duke. I think there's a very very high likelihood that he's nowhere near Durham right now. He's nowhere <laughs> near East Campus. He's where's the Chronicle? He's, he's an MIA. He's <laughs> probably MIA as we speak. I, I do think at the end of the day, it may be his best option if if the cards fall a certain way and things didn't go that badly behind the scenes, and then there's probably some chance Bolden's back. Um, if I were him, I would look at Chase Jeter and have significant doubts, even if even if I thought that. Um, so Bolden, we both agree, probably not back. Can't yeah. imagine it, but if he probably, is, I actually not not a bad thing. Out of all the guys, I, I hope he comes back the most. Yeah, I would love to see Marquise Bolden. One thing's for sure: Tatum, Giles, and Bolden were arm in arm on the bench in matching suits the first month of the season. 
Yeah. And they looked like they were buddies. No, it looked like Tatum and Jaws were buddy. Bolden was always sort of off on his own. You know, he, he was hanging out with those guys, though. I mean, you, you know who brought him to Duke, right? Uh, remind me. Matt Jones. Uh, they they grew up together. They're they're both from Houston. They went to the same school. Apparently, Matt Jones beat him up as a kid, mm-hmm. and uh, Marquise always looked up to him as a older brother. Uh, and now he destroyed his life. <laughs> what a sad, what a sad it's story. A sad set. Yeah, the other the other side of this that we should present is like one and done isn't for everybody. If it turns out a guy isn't good enough, I'm not sure. Maybe he should stay in college. I'm for not sure it should be for develop, us. Develop I mean, is, is one and done really great? Like one and done is great when you is have, it great? Look, look at when you in, have like look at who's in the, the final right four. Guys. Look at look at who's in the final four last year. Yeah, but look at the year before. It was Kentucky and Duke. With all bunch of freshmen, and maybe that was fool's gold. Maybe like that that was bad for the program. Look at Cal. He's he's been at Kentucky how long now? Eight, nine, ten years. One title, three three Final Fours. It's just I would imagine it's so tough to like it's, get it's get that to team to. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right, so we can debate that more in the off season. We're already going long in this podcast, but. Uh, Jack White, DeLaurier, Brankovic, Justin Robinson may all be back. Sean Obi will be back. And he still has yeah. at least one year of eligibility remaining. So <clears throat> let's talk real quickly uh, about who is coming back. Uh, Wendell Carter, big man, 6'10 out of Atlanta, super bright. I think he had could have gone to Harvard. Um, he's projected like top three or four pick next year's draft. So I imagine, <laughs> barring something crazy happening, that he's going to be the foundation of our front court. Yeah, I mean, with, with only Frank Jackson for sure coming back, maybe one of Grayson and Luke, perhaps a Marcus, Marcus Bolden, uh, for sure one or two of these other yeah, we've got kind a, of like we've got lesser a very, lights off the bench that didn't a, play this year. We have a very good wing, Gary Trent Jr.'s top, top yeah, 10 recruit. We have three guys coming yeah. in that should either start right away or be three of our six guys. Yeah. And it's... Wendell, yeah, uh, it's, it's Gary. Wendell Carter, Gary Trent Jr., and that's that's it for right now. But Coach K and and the coaching staff they hit the recruiting trail immediately after we lost. Immediately, immediately, right? Like, uh, I mean, I think the key is going to be uh, the Trayvon, Trayvon Duvall, the top point guard in the in the incoming class, who still and hasn't declared. It looks uh, like he might be leaning Duke and Kevin Knox. Kevin Knox is reported leaning Duke. I think they're both a wing. Yeah, I, uh, like a bigger, bigger type wing. I think they're both. I think we're we're in the front runner seat, but you know who knows? Who, who knows? There's like four or five schools. I I saw some graphic that made it like a pie chart graphic that made it look like they were leaning. They're both leaning Duke. There's another guy. Yeah, I saw one uh, guy was like 64 percent. The other guy was like 90 percent. Yeah, I mean, it's either, uh, you know, if, if it's known, it's known. If it's not, who knows? But, but like, we'll see. Yeah. So over the next two weeks, we're going to find out who's leaving, who's <coughs> transferring, and most likely maybe the next month who's, who's, coming, who's coming next year to be a freshman. Yeah. And we'll have a much clearer picture. Sure. Uh, right now, all we know is the fallout from the season, you know, when we look back on this year, uh, you know, I guess we, we should make some pronouncements about how we think the year went to close this out. And, of course, 
we want everyone to make decisions that are best for them. We're hoping the program benefits by, you know, one of the one of the wings, one of the good shooting wings coming back, Kennard or Grayson Allen. And, uh, you know, if Bolden's up for it, I'd love to see him embrace the challenge, come back, and prove everybody wrong from this year. Yeah. You know, but, and then be joined by some talented frosh. But for this past year, you know, what a season. How, what are your, what are how, your thoughts? How would you characterize the season? <laughs> I would characterize it as a roller coaster. Yeah. Of like newsworthy items, of injuries, of like incredible play. Yeah. Followed by some shaky play, followed by some hope, followed by a dashing of that hope, with a really nice stretch run for the most part. The ACC, like I'm really happy. Like I was going to ask you, how do you feel about this ACC championship? The one thing, the two things we have in this season to sort of hang our hat on are we, we won the ACC tournament, four wins in four days against four good, decent, good teams. Four we, great, yeah. Well, three three really good teams three and Clemson. Teams, yeah. And we beat Carolina two out of three games. Yeah. And in the tournament, we got upset, but at least we lost to a team that, that, that was playing really well and made the Final Four, potentially might even pull one of the great upsets and win the, the championship. They're still eight to one to win it all. Yeah, I mean that's pretty long odds. Yeah, I. So you, you, you know what? The one word I would not use to describe this team is dominant. Like they were just never dominant ever. Like it's we never blew any teams out. Like every team was a struggle. Again, the ACC was good, a lot of good teams, but this team one wasn't dominant and two uh, was not defensively great and. You know, Coach K just made a, a decision at some point. Like, we're just going to outscore teams. That's the only way we can win. And it works when, like, Frank Jackson or Jason Tatum or Grayson and Luke and some combination, like, two or three of them pop in the game where they go off for 20 points. Then, like, I agree. Most teams can't compete with that scoring. But if you face a great defensive team and they're all sort of struggling, like, you could your season could end. And that's what ended up happening. Um, yeah. Not dominant, somewhat disappointing, considering still, preseason yeah. expectations. Still showed flashes. Like it's like it's just titillating. It like, was what fun. There were been. fun. There were fun games. You know, I just wish we had had a little more fun all yeah. year. Like I just I wish mean, it was. I wish were a couple wins away from having a really great season, except for getting let down in the tournament. I wish people were more healthy. Um, yeah. But I, I feel like with this particular team and the personnel, I mean, I, I felt like this team had like eight, nine very, very good players. Like if, if you could run it again, I mean, it's 28 and nine. I, I would say we should perform better than that with this team. I think we ran towards the, the bottom middle of ex- expectations at best. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this team had too many Achilles heels, too many just too many weak spots for a team that was supposed to have been potentially great. Potentially uh, historically it, great. It never yeah. came into focus. It just never all got there. And it felt like it almost did, but I don't think it actually did. Yeah. Um, I felt like we were overvalued uh, coming off the ACC tournament when uh, people just forget we were trailing pretty big in all three of the final ACC tournament games. 
and we just outscore teams. You know, like that's who we are. We're just gonna outscore them. But when you try to outscore them, like you have Grayson, Luke, Frank, Tatum in the game, well, that's not. It's it, it's not just that. It's also that even on offense, where you're trying to outscore them and play efficient offense, we had a bunch of good shooters, good one-on-one guys. You know, I felt I felt like we fell short of the mark over and over again in terms of uh, passing, shot selection, and. Uh, the ability to break down a defense. Uh, ultimately, it felt like even when we were successful, we were we were sort of like doing it in, in an old school NBA way, where guys were creating their own shots a lot, and uh, it's partly resulting from uh, not having that traditional Duke point guard. Uh, I hope we get this point guard. Trayvon Duvall. <laughs> I want to see a point guard. Whoever he is. Frank <laughs> Jackson. Whoever he is, is, wherever he's from, we yeah. hope we get him. I would like to see Frank Jackson move primarily off the ball and have some lead ball capability, like lead guard capability, but it would be nice if somebody came in who was ready to take the reins. Uh-huh. And really what would be nice would be is if we had a guy on the roster that was a good, good but not great point guard that could sort of like there, there isn't a mix of these four-year like Aaron players. Kraft, yeah, like a, like a T.J. McConnell or an Aaron Kraft or Ryan Dia- Archdiakno, guys that aren't going to leave early, but are like program guys that worst case can run the second team offense. Like you know, hey, wouldn't it be nice to have a second team? Uh, <laughs> you know, so yeah, yeah I, I'm definitely left dissatisfied by the year. It was a really fun year to. To do the podcast, we had a lot to argue about. Yeah, it was, um, this was a good year to do our first one. Um, I, I did remember a, a, two other things. Mm-hmm. Um, second half against South Carolina, like Coach K instituted that two-three zone again, just to like switch things up because they were scoring. I mean, it, our zone down. sucks. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. Like you instituted to like change things up, but like if you're going to institute it, shouldn't you make these guys proficient at? It? Like it always seems like they're closing out too late. Like, they're just... It seemed like South Carolina got so many wide-open threes when we were playing that 2-3 zone just to change <laughs> it up, and Coach K didn't commit to it and switch back up because, like, he's just throwing darts on the wall. It's always kind of felt that way to me whenever we switch to zone. We don't we clearly don't practice it yeah. enough to have it be a strength. So that That is my point. Yes. We don't practice it enough, and then to switch it up even more, they instituted the... Uh, two two one full court press against South Carolina, and this is what ends up happening. Sanders throwing up beats the press, passes it up to a guy at mid court. Harry Giles is the last line of defense. He goes up to defend this guy forty six feet from the basket, which allows that guy to pass to one of another South Carolina breaking breaking towards the basket. Like if if you're going to institute this two two one press, you have to tell Harry Giles don't guard the guy. At the half court line, protect the basket. Just stay at the basket. If it breaks down, just stay there. If it, if it breaks down, protect the basket. So if sure. Giles is doing that, I mean, who are you going to point your finger at? At Harry, nineteen-year-old Harry Giles, or forty-year-old Nate James, Jeff Capel, seventy-year-old Coach K? Like, I think it's completely fair to criticize this team for its preparedness on defense because they just didn't they didn't show up super prepared, but. The, the, the other side of it is that they didn't seem to have full roster most of the year to, to do the kind of practicing they wanted to do. 
right? Like that was a problem. No, I disagree. What I don't understand I is the guys that were ready. I disagree ready, with you there. Well, I bet you Jack it. White is sick. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. What I don't get is why I bet why, you Javon Delorier looks guys, like DeAndre Jordan in practice. <laughs> well, I bet you they don't look like that good. But my, but what I don't get is why that the extra set of guys that aren't playing aren't practiced up and ready for when they come in. Like, how is there not some sort of like, like we could have had a team like coming off the bench that was just ready to play balls out defense, and it could have been headlined by Bolden. Jack White, like Delore, like, Delore. I mean, I think Jack yeah. White's more of an offensive player. He's from Australia. Those guys tend to yeah. shoot more. Than I mean, yeah. There's all the things they could have done this year. They didn't do what they did do. What they threw out on the floor ended up being ultimately a bit disappointing. But I also, but, yeah. you know, wish but, we hadn't run into South Carolina yeah. playing as well as they played. Still had Wojo had come through for us because we would have still hats off team. to the team. It was a pretty good year. Yeah, it was a pretty good year. Hats off to South Carolina; they played fantastic, and they're still on the Cinderella run. Um, big, and I'm actually also I'm actually Emil yeah. and, and Matt, Matt Jones, Jones, super effort players, and Emil had a great career. I mean, yeah. Matt Jones had a, had a pretty good career too. It yeah. just uh, both of them were critical to our winning a national championship. Uh, yeah, you know, against Wisconsin. And uh, they're not going to be forgotten. They're not having their numbers retired anytime soon. They weren't that type of player, right? But we, we, what I want to know is when are we? Where's the next where, meal where coming are those from? Guys? Where are those guys coming from? Are they going to be have good enough experiences, like bench players, have good enough experiences to stay, stick with the program, grow, learn, and develop? And uh, this did not seem like an incredible year for for growth and development on the bench or even like the starters rounding out their game with defensive improvement. So that's where I'm left a bit cold by, you know, the year, you know, but, uh, but I, you know, it's a tough year. Krzyzewski was out. There were a lot of injuries, a lot of nonsense must've been crazy hype surrounding the team. And, uh, next year's a whole new set of guys for the most part, whole new set of hyped up freshmen to come in. That we can uh, hopefully, hopefully they're at least healthy, you know, and they can practice and play with each other, and you know. I'm sad that there are only three more college basketball games left, and who I'm, do you like? Who do you like to win it? Sticking with my guns, still like UNC. Love the composition of their team. Love their bench. Love how they use their players. Love their rebounding. Their bigs. Just, yep. If Justin Jackson and Joel Barry are, are knocking down shots, I mean, no one's going to beat him. Uh, I like Gonzaga. I like the Zags. I think. Uh, I think. I think they're going to do it. Yeah, I mean, any of them obviously could do it. Or Oregon is super hot, playing well, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Um, you know, I was I was thinking we might have a few a few of our friends call in and like add their thoughts at the end of the season, but it turned out me and you had plenty of thoughts to talk for three hours tonight. So, uh, <laughs> you know, no room for anybody else. But, so, but if you guys do have emails, you want to send some some thoughts in. Uh, one of the things we could do in the off season is start to to read some of our emails, some of our comments, and either respond to them or just get it back and forth going. Yeah, give them some some air. 
You you want to tell people what you're thinking in terms of how often in the off season we're planning on getting together? I think we should do one every every like two or three weeks, maybe a month, like at least once a month. At once the a outside. month sounds good. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's always something to talk about, um, and uh, you know, particularly with all the news coming up about the program, we we'll, we'll definitely get on and talk about sort of the decisions that did end up getting made. And then I think we'll we'll probably do one where we talk about the NBA draft, uh, you know, before and or after. Um, you, know, the, you know, the NBA playoffs are coming up. So I think there, there's some stuff to discuss with our alumnus that, uh, that are, you know, going to be showcased. Certainly Kyrie is going to play a lot of games. And uh, it's, been, uh, it's been an interesting year for Duke in the NBA. And we've touched on certain things, but I'd like to get into some more of those topics. Sure. Uh, yeah. Does that sounds sound good. good? Sounds great. And the uh, blue-white game is uh, when? October October 15th <laughs> next year? This is always the lull after... Uh, it's only uh, six and a half months away. Yeah. I hate when college basketball season ends. I feel like it's such a long wait till something else good comes along. But... Happens every year. One of uh, one of my one of our buddies from uh, Duke ninety eight uh, emailed us and mentioned that uh, every time he listens to our podcast, he hears the the closing music, and it always makes him sad because you know, we lost so many games our freshman year uh, that we you know that was our developmental Duke basketball experience, and um, we lost almost every one of those games walking out of the stadium to that music. You know. That music was specific to '98. Uh, no, no, no. Just uh, any band, any Duke band music makes him sad because he was so traumatized that he feels that way. But uh, I don't really feel that way. I always felt triumphant in spirit, even when we lost. And uh, even though we lost this this game and the season didn't go as planned, you know, we're, we're lucky to follow this program at our excellent academic institution and still have a lot of Duke pride. Uh, going into the off season, so uh, things are bound to, uh, to to improve, and uh, you know should be a good off season, if uh, if even if it's a tumultuous one in some respects. Pick us, Trayvon, please pick us. Yeah, hopefully Kevin Knox isn't listening to this, and Trayvon, while's <laughs> not listening to this this one, uh, I, I suspect they are not. Even if they started to, they didn't get this far. <laughs> All right. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Yep. It's been a fun year. Go do.